We're delighted this morning to welcome Josh Lewis. Josh serves here as our uh, missions and youth director. Now, I was thinking, Josh, if there's anything else we could add to your already full week, but then to, to, to give the gospel message this morning. So we're grateful for you. have been praying for you this week. Thank you. Thank you for those who have prayed. You're already applying um, kind of the point of this passage. So thanks for praying. I felt it. I need it. And I appreciate it. And so we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So remember last week Aaron started that. It began with now about spiritual gifts. And so it's, uh, that's really what Paul continues to talk about this morning. And as we... I don't think we planned this, um, but we had members coming into church today. So we're talking about members, membership, what it means to be a member of a church, of the body of Christ. Before so, you go on, yeah. I forgot to dismiss for children's church. <laughs> That's a very important piece, and there are people that are moving and wondering, what do I do now? So yes, uh, my bad. So if you're uh, a, age three through kindergarten, you can head back to children's church at this time. And uh, we will, as we continue to, to worship through the message, pray for you as well. It's ironic because, Russ, we, we pass it off to you because I'm apt to forget every time. So. But, so go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I, I thanks for the prayers. I've prepared a message. I hope and trust that it will bless you. But as we read this, if you listen to anything this morning, listen to these next verses. This is God's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 12 to the end of the chapter. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though it, all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, and also those who have gifts of healing, those who are able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. 
Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Yeah, Lord, thank you for your word. Be glorified this morning. Amen. So let's start with uh, some, some interesting facts about the human body. Um, let me just start with this one. Did you know that there's only one muscle in the human body that never gets tired? You probably know which one, the heart. So the heart never gets tired. Did you know that your mouth produces close to a cup of saliva every day? It's kind of gross, I know. That's about 40,000 liters in an average lifetime. That's enough to fill 500 bathtubs full of saliva. So the tongue has 8,000 taste buds on it that enable you to taste all of the great flavors. And this is in honor of the youth, young boys. Did you know that your body produces enough gas to fill an air balloon? So not a hot air balloon, but, you know, just the, the party balloon. So, now the importance of the heart stamina is obvious to all of us. If we don't have a heart beating, if we don't have a heart that has strong uh, strength to continue working, we're, we're going to pass away. The heart is vital to our, to our life. But that's easy to forget, isn't it? Because the heart's an involuntary muscle. It keeps beating throughout the day without us knowing it. But it's vital. Uh, we, we sometimes devalue... Saliva. In fact, in many countries, and ours as well, spitting is kind of offensive. But it wasn't until I took Bella to the dentist that I realized the saliva is so important at cleaning your teeth and your oral health. Um, so all that spit actually serves a purpose. It wasn't until we got COVID. And to be honest, I think the worst part of COVID for me was losing my sense of taste. I remember it affected my mood. It affected my emotional health. I was just somewhat depressed because I couldn't taste anything. Everything just felt drab. And I now greatly appreciate all of those taste buds. And last but not least, I'm not encouraging you to pass wind in church, but there's a reason for the ancient proverb, better out than in. So, you all know how uncomfortable it is to have gas stuck in your digestive tract. So, it's better to just pass it out. So there's a reason for that as well. So I'm sorry for telling a fart joke in church, but, <laughs> but I think you see that these, these truths about the human body actually teach us the same thing that Paul wanted to demonstrate to the Corinthian church. And Paul uses this picture of a body for a reason. He uses the picture of a body, the metaphor, to illustrate spiritual truth, things that are true about the body of Christ, the church. And so first in verses 12 to 13, he just introduces this picture. He introduces the picture of the body. And then he goes on to correct, there's two different problems, two errors in the Corinthian church that he wants to address in particular. In verses 14 to 20, he explains that because God has arranged a diversity of members, don't deny your valuable membership in the body. Because God has arranged a diversity of members, don't deny your valuable membership in the body. Second, it's different. In verses 21 to 26, because God has combined a variety of indispensable gifts in one body, don't deny others valuable membership in the body. And then finally, in verses 27 to 31, he goes on to talk about, because God has appointed each member as he chooses, be content with the place God has given you 
in his body. So first, let's just look at this picture that Paul uses. Uh, Verses 12 to 13, Paul says, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. So throughout the New Testament, Paul, Paul and other New Testament writers use different images, different metaphors to teach spiritual truth about the church. One picture Paul used uh, was from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Paul says, don't you know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? So Paul uses this picture of a temple pointing out that the New Testament church, the church of God, is where God's spirit dwells. God dwells in his people. And so just like the, the Holy of Holies was where God's presence specially dwelt in the Old Testament, Paul wants the New Testament church to know his spirit lives in you. So Paul uses a different picture here. Paul uses the picture of a, the body and what exactly is his point when he uses it. So the human body, as we looked at, it, it's a, a fitting illustration that there's unity among Christians despite their diversity. Unity among the church, the gifts in the church, despite great diversity. So just as the body has many parts, but is one body, so it is with the church. Uh, The first few verses, that's what Paul wants to make clear. Um, He also wants to make two things very clear. And first, he wants them to know that that unity that Christians have in the church is in the face of great diversity. Great diversity. You know, because it's interesting, in verses 12 to 13, Paul uses not spiritual gifts, even though he's teaching about spiritual gifts. He says, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, have been united in this one body. I think what he's doing here is he's saying, if God has united Jew and Gentile, you know, very different ethnicities, slave and free, like opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to your status, Of course, he has united people with different gifts, spiritual gifts in the body. Of course, the teacher and the miracle worker are one. Of course, the speaker of tongues and the person gifted in hospitality are both members in the body. He's united all of these people. So it's an argument of greater to lesser. And second, he wants to make clear that this great unity, despite huge diversity, has come about by the work of God through his spirit. It exists by God's spirit. So Paul highlights that diversity is not because of the leaders. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, chapters 1 to 3, they're they're following different leaders. It's not the great leaders that has brought about this unity. It's not the fact that they all have the exact same gift or they're the same status. They all enjoy an elite status or something like that. They are united as one because they are all indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. And Paul wants to make clear that it is every Christian in the church who has God's spirit. He says all were baptized in the one spirit. All were given the one spirit to drink. So, hear this. If you are a Christian, God's spirit dwells in you. You're a part of the body, despite any diversity in your gift, status, ethnicity, age. So remember that. You know, the world wants this. The world wants this kind of unity. We as a a nation want this kind of unity. And we're reminded here, this diversity is made united only by the Spirit of God. 
God has produced this unity in the church by his spirit. And this unity exists for a purpose. You know, Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17 that the church would be one as he was yet one. He prayed that it would happen so that the world would know truth about himself. Our unity says something about God. So that's the big picture. Paul introduces this uh, metaphor, but now he's going to address these two problems. There's two different issues going on in the church. So verses 14 to 20, because God has arranged a diversity of members, don't deny your valuable membership in the body. So the air here is pretty clear. Some people in the church at Corinth are doubting or questioning their valuable membership in the body of Christ because they lack certain gifts. And many think it was probably particularly the gift of tongues. They were saying, you know what, I'm not a part of the body. Paul corrects this error. He says, now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So some people probably are thinking, I don't speak in tongues. And because I don't express this particular gift, I'm not a part of the body. That's probably what's going on in Corinth. It could also have been something else. I'm not a teacher. I'm not gifted in teaching. And so therefore, I'm not a valuable member in Christ's church. Paul corrects that. First, he just corrects it through his statement. But now he says, through this image of the body that we can all access through general revelation, that's not true. And you know it from the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Or, again, to apply it to his particular situation, if the whole body was gifted in teaching, but no one was gifted in helping, how would anyone help those in need? If the whole body was made up of servants, but no one was gifted in leadership, who would give leadership to those serving hands? So it's not just from the natural picture, though, that he he does this. He also does it ultimately. He grounds this command in God's plan, his purpose. He says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And so first and foremost, just as we think about how this connects with us, if God's spirit dwells in you, so if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, God has put his spirit in you. And if God's spirit dwells in you, you are gifted. God's spirit dwells in you. You are gifted. You are a gift to the church in some way. So again, it could be the Corinthians are saying, okay, I'm not displaying this particular gift, therefore I'm not gifted, and I am no value to the church. And Paul's saying, no, that's not the case. So here's uh, just a a way of looking at it. Pulling from just a few of the New Testament lists of spiritual gifts, and I'm not even going to pull some of the more miraculous gifts because maybe there's controversy there. If I pick the, the smallest possible list, here's some things that are listed by Paul. Teaching, helping others, discernment, administration or leadership, service, encouragement, giving, faith, evangelism, and mercy. Now that's the smallest possible list and there's a lot on there. And so there are many ways you might be gifted to bless the body and you are gifted. 
And so here's, here's an unmysterious way about going about this. First Peter, uh, in chapter 4 of his letter, verse 11, he basically groups the spiritual gifts, or sorry, yeah, the gifts into two categories, service and speaking. And so one way we can go about this is start speaking when you're in the context of a 242 group or a Bible study or on Sunday morning meeting with people or in some other ministry Start speaking with the goal of building up the body and see what God blesses. Just open your mouth with a heart. Say, I want to bless others. I want to encourage. I want to build Christ's body and speak and see what God blesses. In some way, you might find you're gifted in a way you didn't know or you might affirm through the body as they tell you, that was a blessing to me. I'm encouraged or I'm strengthened or I'm convicted or whatever it may be. The same can be true of serving Start serving. Join a, a missions team. I'm being selfish here. Missions team, youth ministry, okay? We could always use more, use more with the youth ministry. Worship team, Bible studies, CBC kids, building tasks, physical needs in the community. Jump into one of those areas and start serving and see how God might use you to bless others. We're in the process of planting a church and the Lord knows we need all hands on deck. All of us are gifted All of us have a gift he's given for a purpose, to build the body of Christ. And you won't know what you have until you start serving, you start speaking with a desire to love and build up his body. There's no one who's a bench warmer. There's no one on the sidelines. There's no one just filling a seat. All of us are gifted. So first, don't deny that you're gifted. You are. And once you identify that gift, don't deny that you belong to the body, even if it's not that flashy of a gift. Every gift is vital to the ministry. Every gift is important. That's kind of where Paul moves to next. In verses 21 to 26. Because God has combined a variety of indispensable gifts into one body, don't deny others valuable membership in the body of Christ. So Paul follows a similar pattern. So it's it's very similar to the last error. The way he refuted that error, first he states the error, the problem they had. Second, In verse 22 to 24, he refutes that error with the picture of the body. And then in 24b, he grounds his command in God's sovereign plan and purpose. And then he finishes just with some implications for how the Corinthians should then be living as a church. And so we'll just go through it that way. Uh, One pastor I really appreciated, not just because of his cool Scottish accent, it wasn't Alistair Begg, but he summarized these two errors like this. The first error is, because I'm no good, you don't need me. The second error is, because I'm so good, I don't need you. That was the attitude of some of the Corinthians. And Paul is correcting that attitude in this part. Uh, They were failing to realize that the parts of the body are not independent, but interdependent. Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. That's almost laughable, right? Paul's using a somewhat laughable picture. How can a head say to the feet, I'm okay, I'll get over there all by myself. That's silly. Paul refutes it next. He he opposes that area. He says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. 
Now, for the sake of time, we're not going to get into all that, but it's really all saying the same thing. And I chose the first sentence. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable rather than the others, which might take a little bit more to unpack. He's all saying the same thing. The point is that the human body, we know from nature, is interdependent. Each part depends on the other to operate. And here's one way we could see that. So I remember multiple occasions, uh, I don't know if it was on my news feed or just hearing in in the news, sporting news, there was a professional athlete, two different sports, sitting on the sideline on the injured list because they had an injured pinky. Now that, that is loud, you know, we see all these big strong men and professional sports and this guy is sitting on the sideline because he hurt his pinky finger. I mean, that, are you serious? It's kind of like, come on man, get out there on the field and play. Like it's just your pinky finger. Now, it's important to note that on both of these occasions, one was Steph Curry and the other was some quarterback. It wasn't Mahomes, but you can imagine if it was Mahomes. Have you ever tried to throw a football without your pinky finger? I was going to do that this morning, but I forgot. I was going to try it. But I know from experience, when you have a hurt pinky finger, it's very difficult to throw accurately and with strength. That pinky finger is vital to a throw. Just like with basketball, you can't shoot a three-point shot like Steph Curry without your pinky finger. And yet, how many times do we see Patrick Mahomes at the end of the game saying, I'd like to thank my parents and my family and my pinky finger for this win? (laughs) He never says that. And yet, the pinky finger is, in fact, a member of his body and shares in the honor of that victory. So, and we know... Well, yeah, okay. So it is with the church. The same is true for the church. If we were in the business of making bodies, we would make bodies kind of like if you've been to a gym and you've ever seen those guys, you know, if I'm standing right here, just Hulk, massive strength, and I step out and I've got these tiny little legs. That's how we would make bodies. We have human worldly vision sometimes about what we think is going to be best. But God, praise God, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts because Paul continues and says, but God, God has combined the members of the body. Combined is a key word here. The first section, he's arranged these gifts. Now he's combined the members of the body. God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You know, as that pinky finger was waiting for healing, I'm sure that all of the resources of the team and that individual was focused. I want my hand to be better so I can play. And just as I said, as the Patrick Mahomes throws, you know, whatever he does, his magic, he just throws the ball and goes where he wants it. As that happens, every part shares in the glory. Every part rejoices in the victory. And God did this not so we would divide. We see the word so that. He did it so that we would see we depend on one another. We depend on each other for growth. So let me just list some ways this is easily seen. If you're a leader of a committee or a ministry team, you're very aware that without the people on your team, without those who serve, your team would be non-existent and your ministry would cease to exist. So I want to say thank you, YLT. 
If you serve on a team with a number of servants and helpers, but you don't have a leader, you often lack direction and you might not get much done. It was through a timely exhortation and encouragement from the pulpit that MJ and I felt moved to, to serve in, in a certain ministry in the church. God used that encouragement to cause us to try to use some way we might be gifted. Uh, as we raise funds for the building out of our basement, let me just testify here. Is that a word? A testify? Let me testify here. I was a part of a church that kind of traveled around. We didn't have a building. And it is a great blessing. It is a, a lot of work for those in the building team, for the money we've paid. But it is a great blessing to have a place to gather. When you don't have a place to gather, you're dependent on the hospitality of others. We had to meet in homes sometimes or a hotel. But without a place to gather, we can't exercise these gifts in a larger gathering. We depend on hospitality and generosity of others to gather as a church. We are interdependent. We need each other. I think Donald Whitney captures this picture best. Uh, He wrote a book called The Spiritual Disciplines. And he uses this image when he's talking about evangelism. He says, sometimes we think of evangelism, this process, there's only one part, and it's only this one person who goes out and speaks and shares the gospel. And that is evangelism proper. But he gives this good image that sometimes there's a person who's got a place. Their, hosp- their gift is hospitality or generosity. They have friends or family members, and they can provide a location for someone who's gifted in evangelism to meet with them and share the gospel. And they're both playing a role in that evangelistic encounter. And they're both important. You know, that evangelist may not have known the person, may not have had the relationship, and yet this person is able to connect them together and provide a place for it to happen. That's that's a great picture for how it happens. Uh, Also in the Great Commission, missionaries can go out, but often missionaries depend on the generosity of others to support them in their gospel ministry. So Paul reminds us that those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. Indispensable. You might think you don't need others. And God, through his word this morning, is telling you, you need others. You need those weaker parts. They are vital to, the, to ministry. You might be saying, okay, I've got this great gift, and really those other gifts, they're kind of nice, but they're not really that important. You know, God, I hope through his word this morning is convicting me, convicting us, if that's your heart. You know what? I've got the real gift. Those other gifts aren't that important. God wants to convict us. We should repent of that attitude. All of the gifts are vital to our ministry. And finally, he does give some teaching in 27 to 31 that because God has appointed each member as he chooses, be content with your place in the body. Because God has appointed every member as he chooses, be content with your place in the body. So Paul starts off, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I I think it's easy to miss. Paul here first takes it from the abstract. He hasn't used the phrase you yet. He's been talking in some sense about the general reality of church. But now he takes it from the general to the particular and he says, you, Corinthians, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And I want to take a moment to reflect on that because it's easy to overlook. Christian Whose body are you a member of? If you're a Christian, whose body are you a member of? 
It's not Aaron's, it's not Russ's, it's not the elders, it's not a USMB board. We belong to one another, but we are not the head of the body. We are the members of the body of Christ. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given, the one who has the name above every name. You, Christian, are a member of his body. Now that is an honor. No matter what place, what part you have, if you are a member of the, uh, the body of Christ, that is the greatest honor that can be bestowed on anyone. It doesn't matter if you're 6th grade or 60 years old, whether you're gifted in leadership or helping, service or speaking, encouragement or hospitality, it doesn't matter what ethnicity or your employment. If you've turned to Christ for forgiveness of sins and been filled with his spirit, you are a part of his body. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 84, verse 10 to 11, I think captures the attitudes we should have thinking about this reality. He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. To be a member in this body is an honor. It is a gift. It is a good thing. I think Paul points to this reality before he moves into his next point for a reason. We can be be, um, unhappy, discontent with with what God gives us unless we remember the big picture, who we are united to that we are members of God's body in Christ. Because next he says something interesting. And in the church of God, in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those with speaking in different kinds of tongues. So, The question is, why did he enumerate this list? As I was studying this passage, why would he number this list? One possibility is it's chronological in time, how God's church is built. Another is that it's totally irrelevant, that he was just using a literary strategy, first, second, third, and so on. But what I think is happening here, and other commentators point to this, is that he actually is listing the importance of those gifts to the church. First, apostles, Second, prophets, third, teachers. And he lists those, those people, those gifts, in relative importance in their ability to build up the body of Christ through the gospel ministry. So Ephesians 2.20 reminds us of this. The foundation of the church is the apostles and prophets. They laid the foundation of the church. The teachers continue in that foundational ministry of proclaiming, teaching, and preaching the good news of the gospel. That is foundational. That is vital to the life of the church. So does that mean that other gifts are not important? Not at all. That's the whole point Paul's addressed in the first two things. Does that mean that other gifts are dispensable? No. These are the very things he's seeking to correct. All of the gifts are important. All of the gifts are vital and indispensable. But we would be wrong to say all of the gifts are equal in importance when it comes to the end goal, which Paul makes abundantly clear in 1 Corinthians 1, 12-14. It's the building up of the body. He says it repeatedly. The building up of the body. 
Now what is happening probably is these Corinthians are taking the gift of speaking in tongues which he's later going to address which actually without an interpreter has no ability to build the body and they're making it first and foremost greatest because of its flashy character. It was made them look good and spiritual. And Paul is readdressing their priorities and saying, don't forget, what's the priority of the church? Why does the church exist? Is it to put on a good show? Is it to make you show your gifts in such a way that people praise you? No, the purpose of the church is to build up the body of Christ. Gospel ministry. So here, here's kind of an example of what that looks like. Ruth, and again, thank you for your prayers. You know, we, you know parents of any kind, but whenever you're, you've got sick kids... It's not easy. And Ruth was diagnosed with RSV, pretty common. Apparently a lot of kids right now are having that. And a lot of the kids at the hospital had it. But we went to first an ER, and then they sent Ruth to a Children's Mercy Hospital. And I found out that's a very good hospital, apparently. Because every time I, people said, how are you doing? How can we pray for you? I said, well, Ruth's at Children's Mercy Hospital. And people were basically like, oh, you're fine. That's obviously an exaggeration. But... People seem to think, oh, you're in good hands. Don't worry. Oh, you're at Children's Mercy. You'll be good. There's good staff, good people there. So, apparently it's a good hospital. We had a great experience. And now the hospital staff, from just the people I saw when I was there, included security, administration, CNAs, nurses, med students, and doctors. Just the few that I interacted with. All of those people worked for this reputable institution, Children's Mercy, a strong, well-known, honorable institution. But each plays a different role. And we have to remember, what's the point of the hospital? Why do hospitals exist? Hospitals exist to grant healing, to restore health. And I'm honest, honestly, if, if Children's Mercy was the best, most comfortable hospital, people probably wouldn't have said, you'll be okay, you'll be comfortable, don't worry. Because the point of a hospital is to grant healing. Now we have to remember, what is the point of the church? Why has God chosen and built his church? Why, why does the church exist? Well, chiefly to worship God, to save sinners, and to sanctify saints, to build up people in the body of Christ, into maturity, to make people like we've read this morning, like the Son of God. So we need to remember that. There is a priority in our gatherings. The purpose that we gather is to be built up to grow into likeness like Jesus. I think the Corinthians needed that reminder. They were taking some gifts that were overly flashy, that made them look really spiritual and making those most important. And what does Paul do? He actually puts that gift at the very end of the list. At the end of the list is Anne speaking in tongues. I think he's giving a, a rebuke there saying, don't forget why the church exists. Those gifts are given not so you can look good, but so that you can build up others to make them more like Christ. A final few applications. One isn't quite as relevant, I think, to our church, but this clearly teaches not all are gifted in tongues. Paul lists a repeated question. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues? And the easy, clear answer is to this rhetorical question is no. Not everyone has every gift. And God combined and arranged the body that way so that we would be interdependent. There's not one person in this church who has every single gift and can say, I don't need you, I don't need you, I can get it done myself. And God has arranged the body that way 
so that he can, we, we see that. We need one another. So some of us, you know, again, they're speaking in tongues. Um, Aaron's going to be addressing prophecy, speaking in tongues as we go through the rest of this series. We're not going to dive into it too much. I, I do think it's important we see here, not everyone speaks in tongues. Not here, not there. Def, I, I think definitely not today. But Paul is addressing that error. No, some of the people in the Corinthian church don't speak in tongues. They're still a member of the body. Not everybody speaks in tongues. But more relevant to us, some of you need to hear this. So some of you needed to hear this. You really are gifted. You don't think you are. God's spirit dwells in you. You are gifted to build and bless the body. You needed to hear that. Get involved. Start serving. Start speaking. God will use it to bless others. Some of you need to hear this. It's not all about you. We depend on each other. I need other people. Some of us need to hear this final thing. You can't do everything. And this is probably the one that convicted me the most because I'm the one ready to hop in anything. You know what? I feel like I need to do it. And Paul, I think here, is warning. You can't do everything. You can't do everything. Other people need to step in. Kind of like the awkward moment in the Bible studies or 242 group, you know? The leader asks a question and everyone, Nothing. And the temptation for the leader is to just start talking again. But sometimes somebody was just about to say something and you just needed to wait a minute and that person would have stepped in and said something. I think it's really true in the church as well. We just need to wait. Sometimes it might be a little uncomfortable. It might be awkward. Something might go unmet for a moment. But everyone is gifted and you can't do everything. Sometimes you need to hear, step back, let somebody else do it. So some of us need to hear that. So to review, because God has arranged the body and every person is gifted, you are gifted and you should use that gift. No matter how big or small or flashy it is, God has gifted you and you should use that to bless and build up others. Secondly, because God has so chosen to combine the body in this way, we depend on each other. I depend on you, you depend on me. We are interdependent as Christ's church. And finally, you can't do everything. God has designed a, a church with a purpose to proclaim the good news of the work of Jesus Christ and build up his people in this gathering. And that's going to take all of us. That's going to take each and every person. So don't try, try to make it, do it all yourself. I'm not going to close with a fart joke, so let's just, let's finish. I'm going to close in prayer. Lord, thank you. Uh, each of us might need to hear something different this morning. I am thankful. As I think of my experience as a Christian over 10 or so years, this church is a gift and a blessing to me and my family. I thank you for the many people in this church who serve, who are ready to serve, ready to help, who are generous givers. I thank you for those who are gifted in teaching and, and bless us by instructing us in the word by sharing words of encouragement and instruction and wisdom. Lord, thank you for this body. And we all need encouragement. We all need conviction. Lord, I pray that you would use your word. Convict those. Help us to know when it is we just need to wait and let someone else step in. Lord, as we seek to plant a church, we need your help. It's not going to happen unless you do it. And so we ask that you provide the gifts we need here in this body and you provide the gifts that that body will need. And Lord, ultimately we rejoice that you, Lord Jesus, are the head. 
You're the head shepherd. You know what we need. You lead and guide and provide for your people. And we give you thanks, Jesus. We just ask for you to continue to help us provide for our needs, glorify your name through us as a church. Prowless in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.